There's been a lot of talk about a new program called the Masters in Veterinary Clinical Care. This week, we want to talk about whether this is a good or maybe a bad idea and what impact it will have on current veterinary technicians as well as VTSs. This week on the Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And over the past few years, we have discussed quite a bit about the Veterinary Nurse Initiative on this show. And we've tried to highlight both sides of the story, and we've tried to give you as much information to make an informed decision as possible. Well, this week, we're going to bring you some additional information of something that's been going on throughout the past year, and that is the creation of a master's in veterinary clinical care. Now, this is currently really in the exploratory stages, and we want to talk about some of the benefits and perhaps some of the pitfalls of a program like this. But before we start that conversation, as always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, you might notice my voice is still a little bit froggy today. Yeah, I was <laughs> celebrating like a crazy man. I was not celebrating. We had to. We had our big annual Christmas tree lighting and parade, and I'm the MC. And I got to tell you, I kind of blew my voice out. It was a huge crowd, but uh, you know, I'm not. In, I'm not in good form. I haven't been doing a lot of public speaking out there this past <laughs> year. <laughs> well, congratulations on that. I know you guys had an amazing turnout, and that uh, event goes to provide toys for kids in need within Brunswick County. We are Food, a rural clothes. county, yeah, all kinds of things, yeah. right? Yeah. We're a rural county, and I know it's really needed. How many kids do you guys think you'll be able to help this year? Well, you know, we're still waiting. We work closely with the schools, but typically we will, you know, support about 200 or so families. Uh, so, you know, again, small time for a lot of you guys in big cities, but in a really rural community, that that's a lot of people. I uh, also don't want to forget, uh, Becky, the Giving Tree is going on right now. Yeah, yeah. We are wrapping things up. We've got about 35 families in need. We're super shy of our goal this year, which is unfortunate, but we know we're going to be able to make the best of it and, uh, you know, divvy up what we've gotten, which is incredible and generous and make sure we're helping the families that we can. So, uh, I mean, tis the season, right? It is. It is. And, and, you know, it's one of the things too, Becky, that I think that we still have tremendous need out there. I mean, there are a lot of families that that need our help. So whatever you can do, viewfinders, definitely do that. Uh, We will include links to the Giving Tree down uh, in our show notes this week. So if you want to help, you can find out how to do that. It's very simple. It's really just go online and and you can donate. So it's very easy. Becky, just tell them out loud what it is. You can literally just go to PayPal and donate. You can go to our website, veterinarygivingtree.com. Um, you can get an Amazon Visa or MasterCard gift, Master gift card, and you can just uh, email it to veterinarygivingtree at gmail.com. And this is basically out there to help nominated families, some ourselves, some are nominated by others, families and individuals who are struggling this year for various reasons, job losses, health issues, kids. I mean, you name it, it's happening in our, our profession and we know it. And, um, you know, we're just there to help and bring a little bit of, you know, just a little cheer to folks who need it in the holiday season. I've been very open uh, on this podcast that I was raised as a kid who uh, whose name hung on a Christmas tree every year. And a lot of Christmases were because of, you know, kindness of others. And so that's that's what I'm, you know, about this year and, and hopefully years to come. 
Yeah, and MG Finders, we know you guys, uh, you, you're asked to do a lot of things, and maybe this is something you can help with, but we do encourage everybody that's able to help others because, yeah. you know, that's just kind of part of being a good person. It feels person. good. <laughs> but, but today we want to talk about another part of being a good person, and that is access to veterinary health care. And over the past year, especially due to the pressures of the pandemic, we've seen an overwhelming need for veterinary medical services. And part of that now has led to this sort of overwhelming... <laughs> of the system. In fact, people are waiting weeks and weeks to get in to, for an annual visit or routine care. And uh, this access issue is, is really coming up. And one of the solutions is that is being floated around right now is to create a new category of veterinary medical provider. And so, Becky, give us a little bit of, of information and insight into what we're talking about when we talk about this master's in veterinary clinical care. Well, I mean, to be fair, this idea has been floated around as long as I've been a veterinary technician, almost yeah. 20 years now, right? Like, I believe it started out in Colorado, University of Colorado. But basically, the the regular introduction of the idea of a, of a physician's equivalent, a physician's assistant equivalent in the veterinary practice. So to say a um, veterinary technician who has gone on for higher level learning, such as this master's degree, who would then be given more rights, um, similar to a physician assistant, right? They do work under doctors. They can't give, you know, prescribe controlled drugs, but they can prescribe some levels of medication, make easy diagnoses, stuff like that. And that's what they're trying to get at, it sounds like, with this particular degree. That being said, it's raised a lot of conversations, as, as things do in our industry. Right. And, and if you find there's just a little bit more of that historical perspective. So back in the early days, a lot of pushback from veterinary colleagues was because they go, well, look, these these veterinary technicians, they're great and everything, but they only have an associate's degree. And then we had bachelor's degrees that were starting to, to pop up. And there's still a couple of universities that offer a BS in a vet tech degree. And so, you know, they thought, well, maybe that'll bridge, right? That'll encourage veterinarians to take advantage and utilize their vet techs as they should. And yet we're still having the same problem today. So in my 30 years of practice, Becky, you know, we're still having the same pushback from veterinary veterinarians who say the vet techs just really aren't capable and competent. And so this idea originated by saying, well, maybe if we gave a master's level to the profession, then veterinarians would utilize it. But Becky, there's some some issues you have with that argument. I'm like, oh, there's so much to unpack. This is Louis. So number one, yes, but you know, I have to say, first and foremost, I think that the argument from quote unquote veterinarians, right? Like we know it right. is veterinarians, but it's like they, who are they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, is this at level of education? However, they are still the same veterinarians who are hiring on the job trained technician on the job trained individuals to do technician position work in their clinic. And so um Unfortunately for me, immediately out the gate, I'm not going to stand on this pillar of educational need as long as we are allowed to continually bring people in off the street to learn to do the baselines of our job. Yeah, and that's a really important point, viewfinders, because what Becky is saying is, look, that's great. You can create all the degrees and titles that you want, but as long as people are competing, literally competing with someone who was working at the Gap last week, Literally. then, then it, it's meaningless. It's pointless, right? It's like, well, then you just do it because you think it's a good idea. And look, I will be the first to say that that 
A, we do have a challenge to hire vet techs, especially in the rural areas. It's always a struggle I, I, I had. But, you know, we did our best and we brought them in and we would, you know, court them from all over the country and pay them well and give them signing bonuses or whatever. You know, we were doing stuff that we, we could to bring them into our area. So we understand the shortage issue. But on top of that, you know, Becky, again, at the end of the day, what is the real incentive to hire and pay more for a person who's credentialed when, again, you could get someone for half the price who just worked at the gap. Well, that's exactly right. So then why are we going to pursue this master's level degree in hopes of hopes all right. of the states incorporating this into their practice acts, all of the states deciding what the model practice act would be for this credential. And I think to be fair, we're already discrediting a lot of the master level programs that are already out there. University of Florida has a master's level program. There are several um, biotech degrees with a concentration in veterinary medicine. I believe Mississippi has one. So when you go through the veterinary colleges, there is a lot of higher level education in our health space already. So it's like this university kind of came out and said, we're going to do something that's kind of already being done, but we're going to attach this other label to it. And I I can't decide if this is like partially intentionally inflammatory. Um, Some of the same folks are involved that were involved with the VNI. And so it's sort of starting to feel like we're just sort of making money off of using the need for technicians um, and that conversation Instead of really practically looking at the problem from the ground up. Um, but but there is a lot, a lot of other factors here as well. And inside the profession, um, when you do look at the, the list of people who are involved with these types of things, very rarely do you ever see a veterinary technician involved. Right, right. And I'm afraid that we might be seeing that once again play out. And so, you know, know, viewfinders, I think what we also want to do is to spark these conversations on a larger scale, because I think sometimes these things just sort of happen in the background and then suddenly it's out there in the real world and people are like, wait, where did this, how did this happen? Where did this come from? And, and we want to alert you that, hey, these things are good and bad and, and problematic or are solution oriented. And we want to just help you with that. I will say this, Becky, one of the things that puzzled me greatly, and I understand why they are choosing to use this terminology, but you know, why aren't we going into more of the like veterinary nurse practitioner terminology. I mean, why aren't we like just go ahead and owning what we're trying to go after instead of, I think they're obfuscating it a little bit, you know, with this language, you know, what, Becky, what do you think about, should they, should we be creating these positions called veterinary nurse practitioners, like just the title? No, like that's the problem, (laughs) right? When we're adding a title into a field where we already don't have the titles under control, we already don't have the, uh, the description of the job associated with the title. We already don't have the title protection. Right. Um, um, right. And, and and the fact that we what we know is that, frankly, our profession as veterinary support staff, be it assistant or technician, is not respected enough in the first place that slapping a degree on it is going to make any di- difference at all whatsoever. We already know that there are tons of veterinarians out there who completely disregard the Practice Act and allow their non-credentialed staff to perform credentialed duties on a regular basis. So these people, these individuals are probably not going to care about this new level or any new law. Like, they're not going to change the way that they act or think or or perform their job. Then you've got the clinics who are utilizing technicians to the full extent. 
I don't necessarily think a master's degree is going to change the skills that they're able to do or the laws in general, because what we're really talking about is when we talk about this this lack of care, we are already not utilizing credential technicians to the extent of their education. So until we're doing that, we're looking beyond something we have. And, you know, we're trying to build a roof on a house we haven't put a foundation in. And that doesn't make any sense. Wow, that's a really good analogy. And and again, viewfinders, to be clear, this proposed program is just a curriculum, right? It's a master's in what they're calling veterinary clinical care. They are not in any way promoting a new title, which again, sounds like, are they just selling a a college degree? That's, that's kind of what it feels like to me, right? Like I get the intent of trying to bridge between the AA and the um, the AS degree and the BS degree to the master's level. I, I get that. I get the concept. But at the end of the day, if you were to go to this, if this program came into being, and it's as it exists in certain schools now, you don't have any different title than you would have if you had an AS degree, right? Since the beginning of my education, going to school to be a credential technician, straight up through being in my master's program right now for public administration has nothing to do with uh, veterinary medicine so much as it does leadership, but I have only ever done those degrees for myself. And and that is what we continually tell people. Don't become a credential technician for the money. Don't become a credential technician for the this, that, the other. Because you can go work at a clinic and do my job without going to school and spending the money. We regularly hear non-credentialed staff say, why would I bother? I'm not going to get paid more if I go get my degree. My doctor's already told me I'm not going to pay you more if you go get credentialed. So why bother? Why would we think that that is going to suddenly change the mindset because education is being respected in other individuals. Frankly, and at the sake of sounding really mean, and I guess I kind of am, in my experience, DVMs really only respect their own educational degrees. And then they look at the individuals on their team. And this is not everyone, but in the majority as how much can I pay this person to get as much as I need done? They're, we're looked at like numbers and dollar signs. Um, and again, that's not everywhere because people who are doing it really right, they don't care if you have a master's degree because they're utilizing you for the skills that you already have. And there's this like, it's just such an invalid argument because people constantly say, well, I can teach skills so you don't need an education. Now we're talking about adding an education that does not enhance skills but then thinking that, that that's going to result in a higher level position for veterinary support staff in some way. Wow, that is so that is really good point. And viewfinders, go rewind that because that actually is a key argument that I think Becky is making a very valid, valid approach here. So, so Becky, again, just I want to get your opinion because this is affecting your profession, not yeah. my end of the profession. So for, for you, you would say, look, we need to go ahead Title protection is like the top priority because as long as we are competing with those people who just went, just started working at a vet clinic with no credentials, like that's always going to be the, the the problem. Yeah, title protection and utilization, and they go hand in hand, right? Right, right. Is it's about understanding that the folks that come off of the street that are on the job trained have a, have a space. Veterinary assistants have a space without a very organized degree right now, and we know that. None of us could do their job if they weren't doing their job, but also in their lane, right? Then you've got these other sets of credentialed staff who are not being utilized, who we're constantly having to defend using our title as compared to folks on our team that don't have titles because we might make them feel bad, yada, yada. Right. Um, so this is already like a scramble on the most basic level. 
adding a whole nother layer to this is, in most of my colleagues' opinions, going to put more technicians into debt, increase their stress, decrease their job satisfaction. And unless they're working with a veterinarian who says like, hey, if you go get this higher level master's degree, these are going to be the assignments I will then give you. This is very clearly delineated. This is what I will do. And unless we're seeing that, honestly, again, this higher level education is on a personal level. It's because you want to hold a master's degree. It might be because you want to teach long term and in an academic environment need to have a degree above what you're issuing. I mean, there's a lot of reasons for a higher level degree, but saying that you're going to create this role, and I I actually think it's kind of mean, right? Because what they're almost doing is dangling what all of us technicians want so badly, which is truly to do medicine and truly to be utilized for our education and our skills. And you're almost making it sound like, okay, well, just go through this one more obstacle and maybe you'll get what you want instead of really and truly helping on the legislative level and the advocating level to to create the profession the way it needs to be to introduce these higher levels. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you know, Becky, again, I... I don't have personal experience. I'm a veterinarian out of vet tech, but it does seem like a program in search of a, of a, of an audience of a market. You know I mean? It's like, you know, well, let's, it it seems like a little bit of marketing. I'd also like to give a a little bit of historical perspective too, because, you know, we've, we've talked about this topic a lot on on the show and, and I think Becky and I and others, you know, we are like, well, look, we, we want to expand the responsibilities and roles and abilities of vet techs, registered, credentialed, licensed veterinary technicians. And if you think in terms of a nurse practitioner, right, which they have, they're, they're kind of, they have many, many of the same duties and, and abilities of a doctor, right? They can yeah. prescribe certain medications. They can do certain, you know, minor surgical procedures, right? All that stuff. That only started in 1965 in the U.S., right? Wow. So a nurse practitioner's I've only been around, what is that, like 56 years or so. Yeah. Um, so it's still relatively new over there. Now, having said that, I guarantee you, Becky, all of us have been seen, nearly all of the listeners today have been seen by a nurse practitioner. So what happens is if you can ever get that title protection, if you can get that that those roles clearly established by the law, it takes off. And honestly, I feel like the success of the nurse practitioner program should serve as a great gateway to how we could make veterinary technicians actually amplified. So, yes, I completely agree that like in a perfect world, if we could fix all of the problems, there is absolutely a space for this position. There is absolutely a need uh, there's a, a higher level of care that could be given. I just think about like emergency rooms overnight, right? Like when right. the doctor is stuck in surgery and then every other case is just piling up behind it because the doctors in surgery can't see anything. I mean, you could have a nurse practitioner role just getting these guys in and out the door, no problem, right? There is 100% use for this. However, we have put ourselves in the position as an industry to not be able to or ready to use this because we aren't prepared, go figure, behind the eight ball as we love to be in being able to implement something. We're not doing what we do good enough right now to bring more on board. And that's just bottom line. We just aren't. And it's interesting because if you say to me, nurse practitioners came about in 1965, my interest right there becomes when did nurses start taking care of, like, start overseeing themselves? When did they get their profession organized? Because I guarantee you it was shortly before 1965. You know, like, there would be no way that the registered nurse role was not fully established, protected, and under 
understood right. before right. that was introduced. And that's what we're missing is our role being protected, utilized, and understood in its own bubble for what it is, credentialed technician versus non-credentialed assistant on staff, all the laws being similar. Um, because, you know, as much as people love to lean into that, like my mom is a registered nurse. Hi, mom. You know, she listens. She is a registered nurse. She holds an associate degree. She has worked as a nurse since, I don't even know, the late 80s, beginning of the 90s with her associate's degree. My mom has held a six-figure salary with an associate's degree. So we can't wipe off the board that just, oh, all nurses have bachelors because it's just not true. Um, we can't reflect it the same way. Wow, that is great insight. Becky, so again, we started out the conversation saying, you know, what we're seeing is this new attempt to bridge, you know, the credibility from the AS and the BS to this master's level, right? So maybe that would be the thing that would unlock this, the trust from the profession. And I think you've, you've made it very clear that you don't think that will have any impact whatsoever. But let's get back to, the, to, to what has happened. So in an effort to bridge this chasm over the years, there's been the creation of veterinary technician specialties. So where will that fit into this kind of master's in veterinary clinical care? Like, how do you see VTSs fitting in or not? Or are they in competition? I mean, it seems like these are kind of at odds. It, it does feel a little at odds. And from most of the pushback that I see, I don't see a whole lot of ETS level technicians out there highly supporting this. I think it's a little bit of a, of a double-edged sword because one of the most major legs that the specialty technicians stand on is there aren't master's levels education or higher level education um, for, for them in that specialty. Um, and then that's what makes it a VTS, right? So that's why there's no VTS in education because you can go get your master's or even a PhD in education specifically. So I think, um, this is a little bit of a threat to that, uh, caveat that they hang on to very, very tightly in creating the specialties. They're very, very protective of their VTSs, um, but at the same time, the VTSs are not recognized on a state level. They're really not governed. You know, they're governed by right. NAFTA, who most of the VTSs that I know speak as much crap about NAFTA as they do anything. <laughs> and yet, you know, they are the credentialing body that gives them the the initials that they stand so strongly on. One thing that frustrates me a lot with that, and I think this is a place that – our profession's going to have to get. So, for example, I was in a, um, a a fun trivia thing at an event not too long ago with several VTSs in the room, and the topic happened to be parasitology. And, I mean, we blew all of those VTSs out of the water because they don't know anything about parasites <laughs> at this point in their life, you know? Um, and so I get a little frustrated because VTSs are so specialized, and then they're kind of putting themselves up higher where I say, like, honestly, I think I have a more broad education than most VTSs because I do focus on general practice. So I know a lot of topic, a little about a lot where they know a lot about a little. And I don't mean that, you know, don't y'all don't send me hate mail about that. I know half of you VTSs, you know, I love you. Well, and they would Um, argue that that's the point. They would say, you know, we specialize. So I don't worry about parasitology. I worry about neurology or anesthesiology. 100%. Right. But then when we look at a nurse practitioner, I think about the doc in the box that I go see at CVS when I'm sick and she can deal with a broken finger. She can deal with... head lice she can deal with tapeworms so you know she can deal with this whole broad generalized area where she isn't specialized if she was specialized and i could only go there if i had you know chemo needs or uh you know internal med needs 
So I, I, I'm like, I don't see the VTS level being the substitute or the equivalent of this nurse practitioner that they're talking about. I really just don't because, again, they're very specialized. Now, maybe they would be in their area. Maybe they could be that nurse practitioner level in like, oncology or surgery or whatever the heck. But again, as long as these sentences are starting with, well, well, maybe or if they could, then we don't know. And so much of that is the biggest problem because we don't know because we don't have it sorted out where it is right now. We don't even really know what makes a VTS a VTS other than their education. There is no further title protection or skill protection for them. There is no more utilization. And in so many terrible cases, there's no more money. So this whole thing is such a mess on on the level of what we already have. It's pig pen, you know. There's just this big dust cloud around it that coming in and saying – and again, it's not a new statement. We've heard it forever. It's been opposed on our level forever. But like, again, for me, I guess the thing that's got me monologuing at you right now is once again, these are all veterinarians. Um, there are no veterinary technicians in this conversation. In fact, um, there was a, a I'm not going to name them specifically, but there was a group that was going to do an event to talk about this. And all of the major talkers were veterinarians or lawyers. And it took a bunch of technicians saying like, oh, hi, you don't have any technicians out here talking about this for them to be like, oh, let's find one who will come on and say that they agree. Wow. You know, uh, so it's like I don't want to hear it from anyone other than a technician why this is so amazing and great. I want to hear why technicians are involved in starting this, why they're supporting it. But like once again, veterinarians running our profession, business people running our profession for the sake of pocketing money is like super unacceptable. And and I'm not I personally am not going to condone it as long as it's just going to make things more confusing for the people who are working really hard out there right now. Right. And again, you know, I'm only I only have a veterinarian perspective. I only have a vet practice owner perspective on this, but I will tell you what I have done over the past many years to to sort of challenge, you know, anytime my colleagues are, you know, not sure about this, this topic, I can tell you, you can figure out where they stand, Becky, by asking a simple question. Well, okay, so I love this idea of a veterinary nurse practitioner. Uh, what types of medications will they be able to prescribe? And that will tell you all yes. you need to know about that person, right? right? Because their response out of that question is going to tell you how really supportive they are or not. And that's one of the, the things, the frustrations that I found when this started being this latest revision started this master's in veterinary clinical care. Like they don't want to go there, right? Because they right. know that's inflammatory. And for the record, viewfinders, I believe that absolutely you should be able to prescribe certain medications. I know I'm going to inflame the heck out of my colleagues, but there are certain things that if we're trying to truly gain better access to veterinary medical care, well, guess what? You can't just give a lip service, right? Which is kind of what it feels like in yeah. many respects. So why why are, again, n- nurse practitioners able to go and, and treat my child's ear infection, right? And I think right. that there's a great opportunity there. And I'm like you, Becky. I love that the, you're saying, look, VTS is kind of a separate entity, right? We're seeing this is more of a of this other clinical role. Uh, so I think, A, we need to be working together. Like, honestly, all vet techs need to unify. This has been a frustration of mine, but heck, I can't get vets to, to get together and coalesce. Sure. So I, you guys, I don't expect anything different. But you really do. Like Becky says, the first thing is let's really define and protect the role because that is every that's the foundation that is lacking because you can't build up. Otherwise, you will go and you will graduate with this master's in veterinary clinical care. And guess what? Nothing changes at the state level. You can't do anything different with that master's degree that you could with an AS. 
Right. And you you know, you've got people like me. I like I'm a lifelong learner. I love being in school. I love learning. Um, I think a master's level in clinical care is really interesting. I would love to have the knowledge. So if it's a personal pursuit, great. But like on this on this national level where they're trying to, you know, support the program with this potential that it, it may or may not have, one, it undermines what's already happening on the master's level all across the country that has been for a while from universities who are more than happy to provide quality education without trying to stir things up. And then two, like you said, I think anyone who's in support of this um, on the veterinary level is very clear then what is it you think that what would the delineation of responsibilities right, be right. and how are you currently delineating for your credential technicians and what would the difference look like between them? And if you have a vision of what that would really look like, then I think you're probably on par with why this could be a good idea down the road. Please go to your VMA and start condoning and, and advocating for your technicians so that we can introduce something like this down the road. Um, until then, though, and as long as our profession is as screwed up as it is right now, I, I cannot imagine... One, the toxicity, okay? Like, even if this happened, can you imagine? Two, what kind of staff staffing shortages are we going to have on the technician level when now everybody's trying to go get another degree to simply be able to do the things that they intended to do in the first place? And and last but not least, nobody can afford that. You're not paying them enough in the first place. Yeah, and again, this master's would be expensive. So in, a, in an era when we are so concerned about student debt, are we just inflating that debt right. with really very little payoff? The other thing too, Becky, you know, why, why I'm so supportive of all of this and expansion of roles, and I'll tell you, I, I know that I irked a lot of veterinarians about 10 years ago. There was this big push in, in a large state out west, we'll leave it at that, uh, to expand access to spay and neuter. In fact, you know, to do it at very low cost, if no cost, for most of the population. So there's, you know, you guys see these stories and legislators get, you know, fired up about it and they start to do things. Well, I, I was involved in a, in a high-level conversation with one of our major organizations, and I floated this idea. I was like, why don't we allow veterinary technicians, your licensed credentialed veterinary technicians in that state, uh, to go and get some advanced training and do spays and neuters? Becky, can you imagine how that went over? Off the chain. <laughs> but they will argue. These are the same individuals who so frustratingly to me will argue that it's just a skill and that they can teach just a skill to anybody off of the street and they don't need the background knowledge. So they refuse to teach a skill that is something that they would have to give up. But if it is in terms of their credential technicians versus an OJT, it's just a skill and they can teach it. And can you imagine if we now had 10 years of a program like that? Like, can you imagine the the impact it would have? Do you know, I mean, how many technicians would spend their weekends out there? Get, I mean, even if you're just talking cat neuters, right? Like, let's like, fine. Let's yeah. like, not even enter the body cavity. Sure. But what about, what about just um, quick boy neuters? Let's get them done, turn them over. It's so frustrating. And again, you know, I like to use the term monopolization. Um, and I, yeah. I do my own uh, writing uh, in my own state. But it is a monopoly. It comes down to what veterinarians are willing to give up and not willing to give up and to protect and not protect. And unfortunately, they're the ones that are getting the say. And that's just it's 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 a monopoly. <laughs> it's not how things should be done. They should not be the ones that the people who lose the money when other people are given opportunities are not the ones who should make those decisions. And we will continually be in this perpetual hamster wheel of a problem as long as that exists. 
Yep, I agree. So viewfinders, I mean, again, we've shared a little bit of our insight, our opinions. I mean, Becky definitely is very well versed in this, <laughs> and, and we appreciate your, your taking the time to, to discuss this. What we hope is that you will then go back to your friends and colleagues and ask questions, right? And demand yeah. answers. And more importantly, promote change. Because I think that I mean, I do feel it, Becky. I continue to feel this this groundswell of support for this. I just don't know that we're doing it always in the right direction. Like, I kind of think this might be a little bit misguided. I think this is taking us our, our eye off of the prize, so to speak, which is with, for me, it's about title protection and clear definition of roles. And, of course, then setting up, you know, well, what is a veterinary technician? I mean, like, that's all that is baked into it. And and we seem to have just sort of forgotten it. So I want to remind you guys, I think there's still a, a lot a lot of work to be done rather than just creating new programs. Yeah, I would, I, and I would argue, you know, it, it's the same. Um, it is taking the eye off the prize. And, you know, we we continually, it's, it's, it's not a new problem, but I think there is a lot of conversation that needs to be had and, and some self-reflecting from the vets who listen. Um, and, and again, if you're in support of this, if you, if, if there is something I don't know or haven't thought of, I want to hear from you um, so I can have a different perspective. I'm going to learn from your thoughts and views. Yeah. So viewfinders, thanks again for this conversation. You know how to reach us. Becky, where can they go? And don't forget to give them the giving tree. Okay. You guys can uh, find us on Facebook and Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder. You can email us, which a couple of you guys have recently. It's always nice to hear from you at yes. veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. You right. can head over to the tree. We are a veterinary industry giving tree on Facebook or veterinarygivingtree.com. That's right, guys. Happy holidays. We'll be back at next week. Uh, again, let us know what you think about this conversation. We know it's going to spark some interesting conversations, Oof. but just keep it civil, folks. Just keep yeah, it friendly. Please. It's the holidays. <laughs> right. Until next week, stay safe, Santa's guys. watching. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Santa is watching. That's right. Be nice in the comments. Please. Ugh.